0: Welcome to the Pain Door podcast where fellowship-trained pain specialists Dr. Melissa Cady and Dr. Kevin Cucaro reveal the secrets of pain care, including harmful practices, healthy tips, and the hope found through the science of pain. Please note, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute a physician-patient relationship. Please discuss your medical issues with your personal health professional. For more information and free resources, visit paindora.com. Now, on to the show.
1: Welcome back to the Paindora podcast. I am your co host, Melissa Cady, the challenge doctor, uh, with my co host, Dr. Kevin Kakaro, known as Dr. Kevin. And we're here to, ch- <laughs> you got to come up with another name, you know? <laughs> if I'm going to have all these descriptors <laughs> on myself, yeah. you got to lengthen up yours a little bit. <laughs>
0: Let me think.
1: We're going to work on that for the next show. Um, We're here going to talk about just something simple because uh, it can get quite complicated. Um, We might have a few opinions on this, but many times people reference um, doctor for various types of fields. And uh, the question is, what does doctor mean um, to people? And uh, you know how sometimes people use that word maybe when it's not appropriate
0: yeah it's a that's a very interesting topic of conversation mm-hmm. and particularly in this day of of the internet right because the internet has allowed everybody to expand their reach dramatically uh, you can small set up a small platform like we're really doing we set up mm-hmm. really quite easily you have your own almost radio or tv show you can consider it uh, mm-hmm. that you can publish and then based on how you you promote that or get people interested or who you in some situations, um, I wouldn't necessarily say this is the best way, but how who you cater to, like to say, well, people want to hear this, so I'm just going to make up stuff around this. It's provided people opportunity to very really leverage and, and get attention. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as both of us have kind of been in this internet space, then kind of the new Wild West world, um, you see a lot of this stuff, and particularly when you're looking at health. It is amazing to see so much health advice and information that's being dispensed out there by doctors. Uh, Facebook has things, um, YouTube has ads for blah, blah, doctor so-and-so says this, or doctor so-and-so says this. And um, for me, and I'm sure for you being a physician, then you go older, okay, what's their background? What's their specialty? And the first couple of times you're like, wait, what? You're, You're calling yourself a doctor? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to necessarily say they're, well, they are misleading people, but, but the fact of the matter is doctor doesn't mean, like in the way that, if you're saying something about health and you're, you're using the word doctor associated with it, mm-hmm. then the assumption is that you have some healthcare related facility and, and most commonly that you have either gone to medical school or something like that. And, um, and in the online space, that's just not the case. Like and what I and what I want for listeners and watchers to be aware of. This is not to say that the information is bad per se, but you have to look at both what the information is, the quality of the information, how you know what the research, method the statistics can, are. They familiar with the research and statistics behind that information, and lastly, what is their background that um, provides some degree of credibility. Now. And again, I mean, there's people who don't have, say, you know, they are not physicians or whatever and have some really, really great, great knowledge and can do amazing things. Um, but you have, to, you have to kind of weed through their information over and over before you get to that point where you can trust them. But there's a lot of people out there who have these weird degrees that are saying they're doctor of something and giving you health advice. Uh, and for me personally, if I can't figure out what your background is, preferably on the first page of you telling me that you're a doctor Mm -hmm. i have big problems with that and there are people out there advertising this stuff that has taken me two three or five google searches to simply find out what they are a doctor of Mm -hmm. in one case it was there was a doctor of mythology and yeah, that's great. I mean, Mythology is pretty cool. I read it a lot when I was young, but I don't think that necessarily correlates with saying you're a doctor of some healthcare related topic. Uh, another one um, was another another clinical background I won't get into, but just but very, very misleading. And so I, I it's kind of incumbent on the individual now to if you hear the word doctor, unfortunately, you can't leave it at that. You have to go a doctor of what and then do the next steps to kind of figure that out. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean the information is bad or wrong or not useful, but it's a, it should be a warning sign if someone's not proud enough or at least confident enough in their clinical background to label it as such.
1: Right. Well, it makes me think of, I actually found this on LinkedIn Um, So as an anesthesiologist, now there are anesthesiologists that are in like the UK or in Australia, they're called anesthetists um, or anesthetists, but they are not called nurse anesthetists. Um, But what's interesting is anesthesiologists is usually inferring, if you look up definitions Um, you know, someone sees something different, I'd love to see it. Um, But you've gone through medical school four years, and at least a minimum of four years of postgraduate training, which usually includes one year of internship and three years of anesthesiology training, sometimes some other subspecialty afterwards. But anesthesiologist this, but what I found on LinkedIn was someone who wrote nurse anesthesiologist. And I, I think to myself, okay, that's, it's relating to you being a physician, and, and the psychology behind that I find fascinating, because we all want to feel more important sometimes than we are, or at least feel like we are respected for the level of training that we've had. Um, you know So for what I see, just be proud of who you are. You made a choice. You made a choice to become either a nurse anesthetist or an anesthesiologist assistant or an anesthesiologist and there should there's no reason you can't just state it like you said you shouldn't have to go through five levels of information to figure out what you are and i've seen plenty of situations in the anesthesia world too where the nurse will say i'm doctor so and so but they have a doctorate of something else and it's very clear and at least to me for for patients they are, they're not looking at the different levels of nursing degrees. They are basically thinking you are a physician. Now, like you said, it doesn't mean that they are less clinically capable of taking care of you. Um, but if you're trying to give an impression to a patient as to what you are, if you say you're a doctor so-and-so, I'm your nurse anesthetist who has a doctorate in psychology boom, one quick explanation. So at least they know who they're dealing with. Um, I think that's, that's important. And before I uh, forget, you know, PhD can mean you can use doctor in front of, but um, like you said, if it's on a website, they should say who what it is. Um, but people could probably say back in the day, um, you know, people see DO, we both have DOs and they may think, oh, are you a doctor? I mean, I've I've had people think I'm an optometrist. I'm like, no, that's OD. <laughs> um, but uh, but the reality is that an MD back in the 1890s didn't like the kind of bloodletting and other things that were going on in the medical system, which is ironic to the things we're talking about with the pandemic, um, but decided to basically four tenants of basically the body self-healing. You can go through all these different things, but trying to be less invasive and less risky with how they're approaching health. And so that was a branch that came off of an MD. So the first DO was an MD. And over the course of the next 50 years, because of medical education, the military, they were merged into traditional medicine. And hence, MDs and DOs are equivalent in this country. But it gets even more complicated when you look at the fact that there are surgeons that are podiatrists, that are not MDs or DOs, they're DPMs. There's doctors of podiatry or podiatric medicine. So it can get really complicated, but you just need to know what makes them a doctor. What is what is their qualification for that title? So that was a lot.
0: No, no, no I would agree. In, in, in and really the differential comes down as what is the context that you're using the word in because mm-hmm. you're not going to find a phd in philosophy entering a hospital and someone says we need a doctor stat and says well, i'm here <laughs> i mean maybe there's a couple and i know there's a couple yeah. people who get all in a rug or whatever but uh, realistically there's a context around and and i do think particularly in a healthcare setting um there is misinformation that I don't want this to turn into some nurse anesthetist anesthesiology thing in any way, shape, or form. But that is a new push from them to call themselves nurse anesthesiologists. Then you go, well, why are you doing that? Yeah. If you're, just like you said, if you're so proud of your, your career pathway, then be cr- proud in your career. There's some fantastic nurse anesthetists out yeah. there.
1: And there's some but anesthesiologists who wouldn't let them touch me. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, I, I completely agree, but at least you want to be able to firmly define the p- between the two. And the same thing with the DO. I I'm doing it more simply because I it's it's I'm trying to make things easy to understand. But I I I'm not I get uncomfortable when I just say Dr. Kevin Cucaro. Because I want people to know that I'm a DO. I don't want there to be any sort of, of, of suspicion that I'm trying to hide something. I'm a DO. That's my background. I'm proud of my background. There are a lot of different reasons for that. Um, is it different than an MD? I don't know. Um, but it's who I am. I'm not an MD. And, and I, you know, and, and if I get on these things, invited to a course or a seminar, and they'll list something, and it's super common, they'll screw it up and put MD after
1: yeah. And I'm always Same like for well, me.
0: a DO. I am a DO. I am yep. a DO. And um, I just would like to see that a little bit more often, and particularly in again, you know, on these complex healthcare topics. Um, just be transparent. Yeah.
1: You
0: know, tra- transparent what you what what you you know, what your background is, what your experience is. Um, and then you know, again, yeah, if you have got a if you got a PhD in in mythology or whatever, that's fine. But at least then you can say I had a PhD in philosophy or in, in mythology. I'm a doctor of mythology and this is what it relates to whatever it is that we're doing. Rather than us making people assume that you have an MD or a DO in, in some sort of health related field.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh yeah. It's interesting because you're talking about the pair like just in the hospital, which is not even that's a I mean the online space is like the absolute wild, wild west because you have people yeah. who are going to these who call themselves doctor who went to basically those um, what do they call them diploma mills that you know the online schools that you pay a certain fee and then they just give you something Um, and you have to be able to distinguish those from the people who have the PhDs and the mythology from the from the you know people who have the doctorate and whatever but in in a hospital setting you see that with a lot of ancillary um, staff who will label themselves doctors and you want to go well, doctor of what and again this is not minimizing your knowledge if you are a doctor you got a a, a d doctor of pharmacology you know a lot about drugs yeah but in the same situation if you're introducing yourself in a clinical environment as the doctor people are gonna assume that you're the physician under care which is outside of your your scope of practice right and uh and you know, we can we can complain and we feel that's not fair or whatever, but there's a reason that we have these scope of practice things. And it isn't because the super the superstars could probably do whatever. It's because we have to have a minimum level that that that, that, that label safely advertises to the layperson. And if we start screwing up those labels, we're we we're, we're putting in the Wild West environment, so it becomes unsafe. And now everybody has to question everything, which is what I'm saying right now: question everything, find what their background is. But if you're in an emergent situation or an urgent situation, you shouldn't have to do it. People should be doing it. That you know, it's it's incumbent on the on the clinician to be transparent, so that you're not adding that stress on somebody who's already in a in a, in a distressful experience
1: yeah well you you have to be honest with yourself as a professional to to recognize psychologically what you might be doing um, and and recognize, are you doing this for your benefit or are you doing this for the benefit of the patient in front of you or client in front of you and And like you said, you just have to be you have to be transparent. We need more of that. And especially in the world of medicine. And I like the fact that you mentioned how context matters, you know, it, there's a time and a place for, you know, strutting your doctorate that you're so proud of. Um, but when it's in the context of clinical care with patients in a hospital, that it's, it's not appropriate um, when it, it confuses a patient. And ultimately we want to be transparent and make things as um, clear cut I think is possible.
0: Well, it, that's a high-stakes environment, right? So the context yeah. and then and and the labeling has some significant implications behind it. I mean, mm-hmm. you can have significant implications if you're if you're taking advice from somebody who says they're a doctor but isn't isn't your physician or isn't a physician and may not and may not provide you the information that you need. Um, in a in a in a less sensitive manner, though, like if you went to let's. You went to a mythology con- convention you wouldn't want to you know i'm doctor so and so and they're all maybe phds in mythology like this person was if yeah. you introduce yourself as a doctor there you very quickly should say i'm a i'm a physician or i'm right. this or whatever so that you're not in in that context people mistaking you as a doctor of mythology yeah. because you're not and you would be misleading those people now granted again the the context, that contextual environment is probably less high stakes than, say, in the middle of a hospital. Yeah. But, you know, you, you, if someone wants to learn about Zeus and you want to make sure they're getting the best information, then it, it's, be, you know, it's behooven on you as the individual to be very transparent on your background.
1: Yeah. Well, if, if I was to try to confuse people in around... PhDs in mythology, it'd be very obvious, uh, very quickly, that I am not at that level, because <laughs> I wouldn't know a um, very much. Um, but I guess uh, in in response to this conversation, and in a way that's um, empowering for those listening, is that if you are in a medical setting in a healthcare setting, and um, you're confused by the person that's taking care of you. Um, or what their specialization is, or what kind of things they take care of, and what their focus is. There's no uh, reason people should feel afraid or hesitant in, in asking the person before them. And it's it it's important for that particular professional to be able to explain what their you know specialization is or what their role is uh, for helping them. Um, any thoughts on that?
0: I think, I think, unfortunately, it has come to the point where if someone introduces themselves as a doctor, uh, then it is not impolite to say doctor of what. Yep. And in, and in particularly where it has you or your loved one's health involved, then you have the right to know what they're a doctor of. And from a, from a practitioner standpoint, you need to be confident in whatever your background is so that you can say it clearly so you can, and, and be proud of whatever it is you did. And if, and if you're not, that's not the patient's problem. Right. That's not something that they're supposed to deal with. That's something up to you to either address in some way. Uh, but from, from, from a clinical standpoint, if you are ever in, an, in, in a health-related in, encounter, wherever it may be, and someone introduces themselves to the doctor, at this point in time, you should say, well, you're a doctor of what? And that could, that could be, I'm a doctor, I, um, I'm a physician, but I specialize in cardiology, right? That would have important implications. I'm a physician and I, 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 um, I'm an anesthesiologist. I'm, that's my, my specialty, my background. Uh, I'm a pharmacist, but I'm a doctor in pharmacology, which means I'm very well aware of the side effects of these medications. Uh, you know, I'm a, a, I have a doctorate in nursing practice, which means that I did extra training on nursing-related issues when it comes to blah, 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 blah. But to be I mean, there's, there's no one should argue that yeah i mean really there is no reason for anyone to argue against being transparent of what their background is and the only people who would have to fear that and who would be resistant to being fully transparent with their background are the people who have something to hide yeah and um yeah so anyway i think for that's yeah that's something for all of us to to kind of recognize when you're going and unfortunately if you're in an acute situation things are going crazy which just <laughs> adds another layer of stress that you yeah shouldn't well, have. And-
1: yeah and i think ego insecurity and perception of um status uh those inevitably are part of the human psyche at times that um i think some people um it will it it will direct their behavior and and how they present themselves um but like you said i don't that's not for patients to you know um when you're being transparent and just say it like it is and what you are, that I, I agree that patients shouldn't have to worry about that. They got enough to worry about.
0: It's not the patient's problem. So don't make it theirs. Yeah. And, and when it comes to, you know, the psyche, I understand that everybody's looking at status, right? We all are comparing ourselves and comparing and contrasting to this person who's better and that. Anybody who says that they don't, that's totally not true. It's human nature, right? Yeah. It's, it's just how we do these things. Yeah. Um, but realistically, rather than tearing other people down, you should probably be building yourself up if there is some sort of reason or concern in that, in that, in that, uh, in that regard, rather than saying, than rather than trying to muddy the waters in any way, shape or form. And um, it, it is, I mean, and I guess we sort of a unique, we have a unique perspective that as physicians, but also as osteopathic physicians, and, you don't, maybe you don't see it as much, but it's, it's been there, this idea that somehow DOs were inferior or weren't as good or didn't, you know, didn't whatever. And, and there's some truth to it. I mean, if you look at, I haven't looked at those data in a long time, but if you looked at applications into, um, into an MD or a DO program, historically MD programs had higher MCAT apps. So they had higher standardized tests. Oftentimes we were younger uh, applicants as compared to um, DOs and so and you, and you have to you can look at that first and then but what does that mean right um, but as a DO I'm also very confident in my skills and I'm confident I did my training and I'm confident in my knowledge base and so it's not up to if, if there's an MD that questions my credentials as a DO I am more than happy then to have that conversation, not by saying that they're bad doctors, or you know, we're holistic and MDs are not holistic, and we look at the whole body and MDs don't look at the whole body, which is all kind of ridiculous. Everybody cares about the human, uh, right. but be very comfortable about what my background and specialty training is, like what it is that I do and what it is I learned, and and be very, very, very clear though, that I'm a DO, I'm a physician, but I'm a doctor of osteopathic medicine. And I would just like to see, again, we've kind of reframed this again, that we, that transparency, I think is very, very important. And then if you are coming from this perceived lower status, then make sure that you are addressing those issues so that you can build yourself up and you're confident to it rather than trying to, you know, tear the other person down or tear down the institution and say, well, they just, you know, doctors are all bad. Well, that's going to create some big problems if for some reason everybody's a doctor now Mm -hmm. or, um, or doctors, because their doctors are somehow not caring healthcare clinicians, which is sometimes put forth too.
1: Which yeah. Is- well, it's, because you brought that up, I just pulled up a quick reference at um, medschooltutors.com. If you guys want to look at that, it's just one source of Someone who's found some data, but they said, are there differences in MCAT scores, which is, you know, what uh, medical students take these tests, but there's been some changes lately for MDs and DOs on on these testings. Um, But it said with recent changes in MCAT scoring. There's not an abundance of data on new MCAT scores for MD versus DO older studies. Um, with the prior MCAT scoring system had MDs with average higher scores than DOs. It's important to realize that individuals in both fields can do extremely well with the right right prep. They're going and talking about it. But then they talk about the mean score. The mean MCAT score for applicants to osteopathic schools in 2018 was 25.62, which was the old MCAT, and 503.83 for the new MCAT. And for allopathic, which is the MD programs, the mean score was um, 511. Point two, the mean MCAT for accepted applicants to osteopathic programs was 503. So it's, it's really, really close comparatively to the past. I think it's been kind of approaching each other, um, over the last 10 to 20 years from, from those numbers and from other numbers I've seen, but there was definitely, I think the numbers you had seen, I I've seen that there was some differences, but, uh, Again, people that score, you know, really well on MCATS um or any testing doesn't mean clinically they um are effective. Um and it really is a matter of taking those types of tests. The
0: the the number one criteria for for how good a clinician is is what their clinical acumen is. That's the number one. But that comes from an experience with the individual, right? So then we have all this other stuff. And so the next step would be um like testimonials not this becomes very difficult to do in healthcare. but people that actually can, can who are who can vouch your experience in clinical acumen and then the next after after that is you have to actually look at the outcomes data of the people and the next after after that you then you have to i mean what i'm saying is that the education and the standardized tests and all the stuff keep going lower and lower and lower and lower lower on the hierarchy they're they're required at some point um mm-hmm. Because we we to make a decision, we need in, information, and in a situation with limited information, just like you want to know who what the clinical background is, whoever it is, um, there there's you know there is some difference with some of this stuff. There is exceptions for sure. I mean, you knew a guy that when in anesthesia, who was one of the best. He was a he was a he was in the class ahead of mine. He was a fantastic resident. Couldn't pass his orals. Yes, which I, I was just found I shocking. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't get. It. I'm like, and I would watch it. And I'm like, what are you? Do? I mean, just we've had discussions in the OR. You you know this stuff. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. Because we had the mocks, right? You would do mock orals and you just watch them. And then it was, you. I'm just like, I can't, I just don't understand how you open your mouth and it's not coming out like you would talk, like you would normally <laughs> talk. Um. Yeah. And then there are people that can't pass the test, but there are also people who can't pass their orals and can't pass their writtens that you would not want to touch you.
1: Right. right? right.
0: So there is a minimal, we're, we're, we're using that as an imperfect system when we can't get, experiential data from every individual out there
1: yeah well it's just like a lot of complex phenomenon that occur
0: (laughs) there's always lots of different inputs into a complex process and you have to look at all of them in order to see what emerges from it
1: and how stress impacts the whole system and the capacity to even think clearly (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when you're in the midst of those testing procedures well, in different
0: stressful environments right because here's the other yes. thing the, the 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 resident i'm thinking of was awesome and in and and people are crashing and you know blood's everywhere in the or and this guy yeah. was just fantastic but didn't you get him on front of a stage trying to do a mock orals <laughs> with people he Ribbon. knows and he's just like what did you just say <laughs> Why did that even come out of your mouth? That makes no sense. All right. So I guess this is a long, long. it was supposed to be a short episode, but a long episode to basically tell uh, if you're in an environment with you or your loved one and it comes down to making healthcare decisions and the environment includes being in an online space, it includes being in the middle of a hospital, it includes being in the middle of a clinic, it includes being anywhere. If someone enters themselves as a physician and they're using that as a background of status and credibility. It is up to you, and more importantly, it is your right to say doctor of what and to get a clear, transparent response to that question.
1: Exactly. That sounds great. (laughs) Great advice. I'm not okay. going to say the same things. I just say
0: the same thing. <laughs> uh, and, and again, this is the end. So we're now... Yes, we're hey. Thank you all very much uh, for for joining us for another episode of the Pain Dorm Podcast. Again, we're not trying to upset. We're not trying to face turf wars in any way, shape or, sen- or shape or form. But what we are trying to do is advocate for transparency. So if you're already in a stressful environment, contextual environment, again, whether you're seeking information, um, that you can get that information clearly, and if you can 't find that information clearly about who is providing you that information, um that should be a little bit of a red flag for you uh and If it takes you three, four, five, six different Google steps or searches to figure out what they 're a doctor of, to me at least that would that would influence um, influence a lot of my decisions when it comes to whoever that clinician is or if they 're even a clinician or what the what the advice recommendations that they 're trying to give me are so.
1: absolutely. Well, and until next time, uh, this is the Pain Dora podcast, Dr. Melissa Cady and Dr. Kevin Kaccaro. And since this is the episode about doctor, we are both uh, anesthesiologists or anesthesiology trained and also had pain fellowships. And uh, we're here to just spread a little bit of knowledge and inspiration and um, a little bit of uh, perhaps motivation to to look into some of these health topics and challenges in life. And sometimes we talk a lot about pain too.
0: <laughs> Cause it's so fascinating folks.
1: <laughs> we're but fascinated.
0: We're fascinating. And it is great stuff to talk about. Anyway, everybody out there till next time. Stay well. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today on the pain door podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know through a five-star rating on iTunes or your current podcast listening service, and be sure to check out the information and resources available at Paindora.com dot com.